we've just got to try and make sure that that's front and foremost of people's minds is that we might not be visible all the time but boy are we an indispensable part of, of running businesses and recruiting and retaining the people that are going to get us out of the economic mire we find ourselves in now so sure. it's never been more important um, as a role within any sort of business welcome to the payroll podcast with your host nick day Find out what it takes to truly discover what it takes to elevate your career within payroll as we meet with the industry leaders who are shaping the industry for tomorrow. Hello and welcome back to the Payroll Podcast. My name is Nick Day, CEO of JJ Recruitment, Specialist Payroll Recruiters. And today I'm bringing you a very special episode because we are going to be celebrating a fantastic career of Kate Upcraft. She's been on the show with me before. And for those not familiar with Kate's work in the world of payroll, she spent over 20 years at MS finalising her role there as legislation manager, where she supported the payroll function for over 65 thousand employees. Since then, she's gone on to form a hugely successful payroll career, managing, coaching and mentoring others in the world of payroll. She's created policy. She's been involved in high level government lobbying, all to the benefit of the payroll profession. And she has been honoured for these contributions as well. Only a couple of years ago, she won the Accounting Excellence Award for an outstanding contribution to the uh, payroll industry, which was uh, given by Accounting Web. And she was also Payroll Consultant of the Year, awarded by the GPA. Now, Kate is a renowned payroll character in the world of payroll, a fantastic payroll speaker, lecturer, technical writer, and consultant. And Kate has decided after all this time and all this influence to retire from the payroll industry. So I thought no better opportunity than now to celebrate a fantastic career. And I just wanted to find out a little bit more about Kate's journey and why the world of payroll has meant so much to her. So Kate, welcome back to the Payroll Podcast and thank you so much for joining me again on the show. Thank you very much, Nick. It's very sweet of you to, to ask me to come back for a swan song. I'm super excited. Now, if I understand correctly, you've decided your final day in the world of payroll is going to be the 31st of March. Um, what's brought you to, well, I should probably guess, but what's brought you to that specific date and time? Uh, well, it's simply the end of a year end, end of my accounting year. So it seems the, the right time to go. Although I must admit, now that I've got to do so much teaching about what's going to happen next year, we're not even going to be here. I'm thinking maybe I should have gone on Christmas and then I wouldn't <laughs> have to teach people another uh, tax year when I'm not even going to enjoy it myself, so to speak. But uh, no, it seemed at the right time because everybody wants to know um, the last lot of uh, updates of what's happening and so yeah 31st of March I shut the laptop although I am doing a presentation that afternoon really? so, yeah um for, for my banking forum um colleagues so that'll be uh, right up to the wire I'll be <laughs> I'll still be doing my thing it doesn't surprise <laughs> me I'm sure as well you're still going to be in demand after that time the hardest thing's going to be saying no potentially yeah, I mean, that's what a lot of people are saying. Are you not really going to retire or couldn't you just look after us and all of those sorts of things? So, uh, yeah, it's uh, it's going to be very strange and scary. I must admit, I'm, it's uh, scary at this point with uh, only a couple of months to go now. Well, let's bring it back. So a new question I'm asking all my guests at the moment on the podcast is what does the word payroll mean to you? So with all your career and all the things you've experienced, how would you surmise the word payroll? It's a, a function that is indispensable because if you were a CEO and you were deciding who you needed to keep, the people that are there till the lights go off are the payroll team because ultimately nobody else can be there if you're not. So 
we all know that. And I think if you're asked to actually decide as a leader of a business, you know that we've just got to try and make sure that that's front and foremost of people's minds is that we might not be visible all the time. But boy, are we an indispensable part of, of running businesses and recruiting and retaining the people that are going to get us out of the economic mire we find ourselves in now. So sure. it's never been more important um, as a role within any sort of business. Business. Couldn't agree more. And certainly we've seen the profile of payroll really come to the surface after the, you know, the pandemic and CGRS and all the things we've been going yeah. through. Let's roll it back a little bit because interestingly in your career, for those that aren't aware, and please do listen to the other podcasts, it's a fantastic episode as well, which we do go into this in more detail. But of course, your background initially was human resources and yeah, you went from HR into payroll. So for those not familiar, tell us a little bit about your, your beginnings in payroll. How did that start? Yeah, well, it was stupidity, to be honest, um, because as I was an HR manager in a store at M&S who thought uh, when I'd moved into head office into other roles, oh, there's the, there's their advertising for a role in payroll. That must be really simple because I've been an HR manager. So what difficult could there be about that? Because I had, like everybody else, just this view that there was some button you pressed once a month and it was a doddle. But absolutely paying, well, you know, as you said, 65,000 current people, but then another 20,000 at Christmas and another 20,000 pensioners. So over 100,000 people is never going to be a doddle. And um, in week one, I knew that I was not out of my depth, but this was a completely different ball game than anything I'd done at H in HR but at the same time, much more satisfying. And that's no disrespect to HR professionals who might be listening to this. It's just, for me, I liked the beginning, the middle and the end of payroll and the fact it was either right or it was wrong. There was none of this, um, you know, things dragging on for a long time and, you know, having to decide in grey areas what to do about things. That's why, for me, I didn't get the job satisfaction in HR that I ultimately got becoming a payroll manager. So, yeah, I had no idea why. It was one of those fortuitous career moves that turned out to be so much better than I ever imagined it was going to be, um, which is, you know, perhaps a, a message to youngsters, you know, give things a go, because if they don't work out, you can always do something else, but you just never know if an opportunity is going to turn into a completely different career, Absolutely which it right. was. You know, I was never going to probably have stayed at M&S in HR because I didn't enjoy it, but I would probably be retiring from M&S if they hadn't made restructuring decisions that meant we were being, you know, moved as a payroll department up to Manchester, which just wasn't feasible for me with, sure. with children living in London. So, you know, you, that gave me a skill set that then allowed me to go on and do other things, which, you know, you know, I just didn't know that that was how that was going to work out. So, yeah, you just don't know what's around the corner, really, do you? And I think it shows that perceptions are very rarely the reality. I mean, the, the perception from you, as you said, we always hear, of course, it can't be that difficult. Maybe there's a big button and we talk about that in inverted commas. Yeah. And you went in, actually, A, it wasn't that thing, but it was still something that pulled you in and you thoroughly enjoyed and have had an incredibly successful career on the back of it. So going back to that youngster's story, I think there's a message there as well to say that you may think payroll is one thing, but actually when you embrace it as a career, you might just discover it's something completely different. Oh, and if you think about what, you know, how my career has changed from being an operational, to start with operational payroll manager, then specialising in, in legislation for the company, then moving completely out of that and being head of policy and research, 
then becoming a consultant and lecturing, all of those things I'm still doing similar stuff, but very, very different day job yeah. from a practical payroll manager. So, uh, you know, and, and people should understand there's so many different career strands and many more than there were when I became a payroll manager. Um, but because, you know, technology, for example, has given people a whole new opportunity as analysts and, and quality assurance people and user testing managers things that you know just didn't exist back in the sort of the late 90s when I was going into payroll so it is absolutely a career whether you want to stay in practical payroll and even that of course you could be in-house like I was or you could be an outsource specialist who's working in a bureau or in you know in the accountancy side and even that's totally different the world's your oyster once you've got that technical grounding is the way I'd look at it I think one thing I've really loved from knowing you, I've known you in the industry, I've my 20th year in the industry this year, and I think we've crossed paths so many times during that period, is you've always thrown yourself into the lion's den. You have never been afraid of putting yourself out there, whether it's writing for publications, whether it's government lobbying, we said before, and putting yourself you know, out there to say, actually, I want to move my career this way, or I want to help the industry in this way. And you've never been afraid to do that. And it's something that, I'm really passionate about trying to help payroll people to raise their voices. Don't be afraid to, you know, be uncomfortable, get comfortable with the uncomfortable. And you've had a, you've yeah. forced a fantastic career out of doing that. It must be very difficult at times, but it shows through the variety of roles that you've had that you have always been able to sort of find those opportunities. And you've actually, of course, become a very successful entrepreneur as a consultant on the back of that as well. So, with all that experience, what advice would you give to someone who? does want to progress through the career they've already found their way in payroll but don't quite know how to propel themselves what advice would you give look for the next opportunity because in my sort of career I saw when we were coming to I can't believe it's 10 years ago this October we were coming to auto enroll for the first time that becoming a pension specialist was going to be part of our remit and that was a whole new ball game in terms of different representative bodies in that space people who didn't have a synergy with us in payroll before because we'd had never our disciplines hadn't crossed in the same way so you've got a spot where the next thing is coming from where you can make a difference and and make a name for yourself you've also got to spot the people that you can see in your industry are the the up-and-coming ones the ones who are starting to appear on linkedin and be asked to speak at conferences yeah. and, and reach out to them and say you know could we touch base once a month or whatever and you know just because the networking is is the vital way and you will also if you want to um, make a difference need to do things that aren't going to make you money they aren't necessarily always going to um, propel you on but that putting back repays itself in, in spades and you know at this this stage now in my career I probably spend probably almost two days a week doing voluntary stuff in terms of committee work and um with icaw where i'm um, chair vice chair of the employment tax committee and other rep bodies that i i sit on but i'm very happy to do that because i've got way more out of that relationship than they're getting in my time um because i've got to meet many people who are much much cleverer than me in, in tax disciplines you know really outside paye but it's intellectually been interesting as well as been hugely um, useful for opening doors and just getting our industry a seat at the table 
because it's sad that we still have to call ourselves employment tax specialists a lot of the time in the tax world because payroll still has, as I retire, that negative connotation of, you know, pen pushing back office admin, which it certainly isn't. But we, we've still got a long way to go. We made some massive inroads during CGRS because I was getting calls every day from people who would normally not have passed the day of time of day for me in terms of their seniority, who suddenly realised they knew absolutely nothing about PAYE. And suddenly CGRS was bolted on to PAYE. I hope we can keep that momentum going because that was really our our moment. Of course, as you know, in, in recruitment, it's also caused a lot of people like me and other ladies to walk away and say, I'm retiring now. The pressure has been phenomenal for people who were just expected to learn a completely new government grant system because that's what it was. It was nothing to do with payroll, but because you had to extract data, it was just assumed we would do and know how to learn all of this for an 18-month window. So, yeah, it's it will have provided opportunities for youngsters because there's, there's so many people looking. I mean, you must be inundated now with people. Yes, we have ever been, without a shadow of a doubt. Yeah. yeah, I've never seen so many adverts for for wanting good payroll people so absolutely we've got to get those apprentices in because that's the future now i mean your your work on the cgrs piece kate what i love is a lot of the working time you put in you don't necessarily see the results of it or the fruits of it but, I, but i've seen a lot of it because you were i kept taking the stuff you were writing and putting it in our payroll newsletters which grew by the way at the start of the pandemic we didn't have a newsletter we started it from zero by the end of the pandemic it grew to over three thousand people had subscribed who were getting the updates which i wasn't writing i was you were writing and contributing and you were amazing during that time but it's all those people you've been supporting that, as you say, you know, you weren't getting paid for that work. You were very, very, I was coming to you all the time and going, oh, another payroll manager struggling or another, can you just help and putting you in touch? And you always did that. You've always been very modest and humble and helpful in well, that way, which likely, has been fantastic. But, you know, the fortunate thing when CGRS started was that I was still running some tiny payrolls, which meant that I was actually doing this. So I was making claims understanding how flipping difficult this was for the tiny payrolls I was involved in. Then I started supporting a few big clients, particularly in hospitality, who were having to put things together uh, because never more had it been so important to actually be using the, the claims portal and trying to do the calculations to to really understand every Friday night when you know we were all getting the updates every night Friday night when the civil servants went home and then said by Monday morning can you come back to us with any comments so it was a case of spending all weekend digesting what the latest changes were I mean if you look back now we had 400 changes to guidance over 400 changes which is it, it's nonsense in terms of you know <laughs> we were expected to assimilate and are now being treated to a, a compliance regime that says well why didn't you know that had changed well you know with 400 changes and I, and people were sick and it was a pleasure to help people because we were all in it together and there was no way you could charge people that I mean that was quite a difficult business decision for me because of course my business had fallen apart like uh, you know nobody's business because I had no lecturing <laughs> to be honest recruitment had completely stopped as well so yeah. I understood that there was panic stations <laughs> there was pressure there was so much going on and it, you know what you touched upon a really interesting point which is the pressure did get come to a you know a boiling point where a lot of people now have decided to leave the profession yourself included obviously have a, a tremendous career 
but there's a, a huge wealth of fantastic talent now leaving the pearl industry or have left or have retired. How do you see the future of the industry? How well are we set up for the future? Because as you mentioned, and I, I can say as a recruiter, there's definitely a real shortage of talent coming through at the more administrative level. And those that are coming through are very technically savvy, potentially perhaps don't have the same level of, of manual skill they may have had before. And that's because the nature of payroll has changed. How do you see the future? Are you worried for the future? Are you positive? I'm positive because of the number of apprentices. Um, in that, thank goodness that we developed level three and level five yeah. before the pandemic. And, and the, the large numbers we've got of people who are taking the apprenticeship. I'm a skills coach myself. I was with my apprentices this morning and I'm actually going to hopefully meet them at the end of March because I've never met my cohort because we've done everything online sure. since they started their qualification. And it will be really lovely to, to meet them. But that is the future. And the mixture of people, because in my cohort, I've got people who've come into payroll as a choice. As a, as a career choice and people who are got getting validation for I've been doing this for years and I now want to prove to the, the business that I actually know what I'm doing by getting a qualification. Yeah. So you've got the two and that's a lovely mixture too from people who are potentially a little bit older and, and some of the youngsters who are coming in. But I'm also seeing, of course, the, the, the big practices like, you know, Armstrong Watson bringing big cohorts in from scratch because you can't get trained people but saying this is how we get those future people yeah. we will train them from scratch and and that's that's lovely to see because that is absolutely the the way forward for for our profession is to what? get that new groundswell one thing I love there is you said, you know, that they're choosing it. And I've been, um, I've had a couple of posts about this and a lot of guests and the, the, you know, 90% of the guests I have on the show will say, you know, if, they, if they're working in operational or, or, you know, really in the nuts and bolts of payroll, they'll say they fell into payroll. And I'm always trying to push back and go, please stop saying you fell in. You've got to own that choice because if we own the choice, we're more confident with it. It's a bit like recruitment. I always used to say I fell into recruitment, but actually because I'm almost embarrassed that I'm in recruitment because it has connotations and people think one thing when actually it's something else. It's been a wonderful career for me in a wonderful industry in the world of payroll. But you said that they're making the choice. And I do think this is the, the first stage now. If people start to own the choice that they, they select a payroll as a career and are proud of that choice and can own that choice, I think it's a really important step to improving the profile, raising the profile, giving it more credence against its counterparts. Um, I don't know if you would you know, say that you fell into it yourself. I know you had an opportunity there, which you took. But I really love the fact you said there you've got a cohort of apprentices that are owning that choice. They're choosing payroll now. And that's a fantastic development. Yes, it is. And to have, um, particularly um, to have chosen it in the teeth of a pandemic when there would have yeah. been easier things to choose to For start sure. doing in companies. But I suppose what's also great is that we've also proved to businesses we can do it from home because there'd been this sort of belief although nobody had ever tried it you couldn't possibly yeah, do payroll from home. Right. you've all got to be in the office you know which has given people the opportunity to work part-time to fit it around caring responsibilities so hopefully we might not lose now because we are still predominantly a female profession when i'm lecturing you know 80 yeah. percent of the delegates on a course will be women and i don't partly that's i'm going to say this because we're good at multitasking and attention to detail <laughs> and yeah that's a gender bias but in all seriousness if it means we keep those women if they do have care and responsibilities because we've got more hybrid working and the ability to work from home then that's a great outcome of the last couple of years as well 
couldn't agree more. I think um, we're going to a more outcome-based style of management as well because of that, which is really important in the world of payroll. But interestingly, I actually think a lot of it's not just the um, HR or finance that have been surprised at how payroll has been able to adapt from home. I think a lot of payroll professionals themselves would have said pre-pandemic, we can't oh, yes. do this from home. And actually they've gone, I was wrong. Actually, I'll hold my hand up. Yeah. We can and we have. Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm, a lot of them I would think are now saying we want the mixture because it's diff- yeah. what what hasn't really happened over the last two years. We've we've done the business as usual. We've got people paid. We've claimed money, but the projects have suffered because we haven't had the collaborative approach of, you know, going out to tender for new software and developing things because that needs people round a table and you know and the whole project based approach, yeah. but. So I think it will be a, a mix of team working and independent working, but the productivity drivers are of working from home. The fact that in payroll, we can still prove what we've achieved. Cause I think that's one of the other worries we've got now is this, you know, what we're calling proximity bias or location bias. That if people can see you, you'll get promoted, but they'll forget about you. We can yeah. still prove what we're delivering. And that's actually quite fortunate in our profession because it's very measurable. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it's going to be a very interesting next couple of years, really, as to how we sort of motor on what we've achieved and, and make it really work for us. So what have been going to, to think back over your career? In your mind, there have been so many. and I can't believe you mentioned Alton Robin. Was that already 10 years ago? I mean, I yeah. remember that. God, that that's actually took, took me a little bit by surprise when you mentioned that. It feels like a couple of years ago. Yeah. Um, what have been the, the most significant changes that you've seen in the industry then during your career? I mean, I've been probably thousands you could mention I mean there were 400 alone just in this HRS period what are the most significant ones you've experienced well of course from the point of view of how we did it technology is completely different from um, I became a payroll manager in November 1990 when we were at M&S just getting word processors um, so that we could actually you know type our own letters we could actually key things in to the computer system that was our parasol because up until then everything at that point went on paper forms to be put on a magnetic tape in a punch bureau and overnight it was run onto a mainframe so we had no ability to change things until it, that had happened and we could see it the next day so that whole you know windows were things you looked out of it wasn't a it wasn't an operating system so it that has just been enormous in terms of the you know the ability to do so much more with less people. I had a team of forty because there was so much of it was manual and it was it was data input and preparing sheets and all this sort of, of stuff. So on that side, things have, have changed dramatically. But so of the breadth of our responsibilities. So yes, we talked about auto enrolment, but so many other things have happened from even things like student loans that we weren't responsible for. All of the way that the tax and NI system has been used to manage behaviours by employers, you know, and that's very much been a government thrust for the, of the last few decades, is that we're always on the receiving end of incentivizations to do certain things and the tax system reacting to the whole reward piece. Because when I um, became a payroll manager, really cash 
was still king but we were just getting into the world of benefits for the first time and oh it would be attractive to not just pay people in cash let's start with cars and medical and that huge growth then in in the benefits industry and then the tax system responding to that and and the whole salary sacrifice I mean salary sacrifice really hit the ground in 2005 when childcare vouchers was introduced and then we all thought well wow if we can do this for childcare vouchers what are all the other things that where we can reconstruct a person's contract and make it cheaper for everybody so yeah we we got so many different uh, angles to what we were doing then as a result of um, a government policy that kind of backfired for them massively because although it brought women back into the workplace it spawned a, an industry yeah, that sure. they had no idea and then cost them a fortune <laughs> in terms of national insurance and then in 2017 they had to put the brakes on it but so you know and we've been right at the forefront to, uh, as employers and payroll professionals of of so many different approaches to rewarding people you know that's that's the really long and short of it because that's what we do yeah I, I couldn't I couldn't agree more and I think it, it, it links so closely to the work that I do because we're now talking about talent attraction and talent retention and that is so heavily entwined with reward benefits well-being which we're now seeing a lot of well-being schemes coming into play now than we've ever seen before and and actually it's uh, I talk about the employee now as the consumer it's keeping the employee happy maybe with payroll dashboarding and and different things you can do to keep them engaged and we've got pay on demand coming in potentially crypto based there's all this stuff still to come and influence the, the industry and I'm sure it'll continue to change yeah during your career You've, I know because from first hand, from a number of the clients you've, you've personally worked with, that I've had the, been fortunate enough to be engaged with myself and, you know, some of the transformations you've been involved in, you've been involved in government lobbying, you've been involved in the friendship schemes and so on. What do you think has been your single greatest achievement or what's the, the legacy piece that I know, I know people don't like to talk about their own legacy, but if I was to ask you the thing that you've really left, you know, left your mark on as you leave the industry on the 31st of March, what's the thing you're most proud of? That's, that's an interesting thing in terms of what I'm most proud of at the same time, I suppose, equally is, is one of the most frustrating things as, as I leave is that although we have got lots of committees and, and stakeholder groups, um, particularly with HMRC, we still haven't broken into making a big enough difference. And that's, I think it is sad because so many of us are willing to give up our time from our businesses or our employers are happy to release people to work with policymakers. But that piece might still look as if the volume of it is there, but it's not achieving what it did 10 or 15 years ago and partly that's because a lot of characters on the other side um, policymakers have retired to who perhaps had a slightly different collaborative approach to working with employers there's also been the change where HMRC are now more the delivery body for the treasury so if you're engaging with HMRC you're actually not as close to where the policy is being made which is in the treasury so being one step removed makes it harder to to influence the outcome so yeah I guess the the things that I've felt proudest have probably been things like you know working on the beginning of RTI but then feeling so sad that those groups were disbanded as soon as we went live and nobody's ever nobody's ever in a position now to understand that 
as soon as a policy goes live, that is not when you stop talking about it. That's when you need to start talking more than anything. Because when it's theoretical, it's great to be, this is how it's going to work. But when the grit starts coming out, you've got to carry on talking. And I think that's what's been the saddest for me is that it's always... The, the policymakers are on to the next policy and that, that's business as usual now and that's all fine and we, we just move forward and it's not fine for us as as employers um, because things are not where they ought to be and that still costs us a lot of time and money and also reputational damage with our employees because as soon as something goes wrong in the pay space it, it's not just a case of the payment side now we've got over 2 million people on universal credit who are working as well the feed across into the benefits area when things go wrong we're all getting dragged into that and now you know with inflationary pressures um as they are that's going to be really big for this year as soon as something is wrong on our side people are going to struggle to put food on the table etc so we're, we're so important to people's lives now beyond and we don't know which of our employees are on universal credit and that's none of our business we have to assume everybody is so that we do the best for them not just within the workspace but beyond that have you ever asked yourself how can i recruit payroll staff effectively please don't give up on your recruitment project just yet here at jga payroll recruitment we appreciate the difficulties associated with attracting recruiting and retaining top payroll talent we also understand just how costly a poor payroll hire can be jga recruitment are a niche payroll recruitment agency who will partner with you to resource payroll candidates who will improve both the accuracy and efficiency of your payroll department. Contact us today on 01727 800 377 or visit jgarecruitment.com to find out more. It's, uh, I think it speaks a lot about who you are, Kate, because even in that example, you haven't really talked about the things that you've been doing. You've talked about it on a broader spectrum about how the, the impact that payroll can have on others. And if we get it right, which I think is, you know, it's, it's humbling because that's the person that you are. Um, if it was me, I'd probably would have picked a project that I'd done and talked to you about it and bored everybody. But that's, it's, it's really inspiring because I know from working with you just how many people you have supported and how much time you've given up to help them, particularly payroll managers, you know, that have really been struggling for, for whatever reason, you've always been able to make that time available to them to, to help them and to pull them through, which has been fantastic. Something you talked a little bit then, it, it brought me back actually to when we last chatted on the podcast, it was 2008, 2019. I remember then one thing you said there that was a, a big shame about the payroll industry is you wanted it to have a dedicated ministerial governance. Do you think that's something that's ever going to happen you mentioned there that maybe we're now still sort of one step even further removed now with in relation to how hmrc is is working it's now treasury so what mm. do you think the future holds i worry because i can't even tell you who the business owner is for paye within hmrc now because there are so many silos and and separate strands of work and i know the tax system is complicated but i think Part, some of the reasons we are where we are with things going wrong is because there is nobody with an overview and an accountability for what brings in the most amount of money in tax take yeah. of anything else. You know, even just NI before it goes up in April, £111 billion for the last audited cap. This is phenomenal amounts of money that we are responsible for. 
And yet, I don't know who is accountable for that um, within government. And the cross-party committees, or sort of cross-departmental committees, I should say, that I've sat on, do seem to struggle with the turf wars, unfortunately, that we as employers can't have those concerns. We want to see really joined up government because at the end of the day, we are there to deliver for our employees and we can't say, well, that's not my responsibility. That's another department. Everything is our responsibility and the buck stops with us. And I think it is a pity that um, employers, because they don't vote, don't have yeah. you know, the influence to say, yeah, we've really got to get some of this stuff sorted out because you're going to lose money coming into the Treasury if we can't get some of this sorted out. You know, just to give you a little example, we are here, what, towards the end of January. It's a new tax year in a couple of months' time. We don't even know how the calculation of national insurance is going to work in April. We know about the increase, but there's something else going on around the calculation of national insurance, which means we can't even finalise next year's software for a new tax year. That's bonkers to be in that sort of situation without the influence to say to somebody senior... You need to you need to get this sorted, guys. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I, I, that's that's my sadness really that I don't think, in answer to your question, that we are getting close to somebody owning this, and that's disappointing. Let's move back then to some of the uh, the highlights. You must have a lot of stories in the world of payroll. You must have worked with some incredible, inspiring oh, characters in the world of payroll. Absolutely. Who yeah. are those? Who are the people have influenced you? Who you know? Are there any stories you you, you can share the, of of your the fun times I, in payroll that you've you've gone through during your career? Well, I suppose, I suppose something when you say about the sort of personal highlights, um, going to number ten, uh, well, number eleven actually, to be invited to, you know, the, a leaving party for John Whiting when he left the office of tax implication was, was lovely because I'd worked on two of the reviews with, with John yeah. and I'd known him throughout his career, so it was lovely to have that opportunity to present to a treasury select committee with the lovely norman green who's not with us um anymore and for the whole experience of you know of going into parliament and i've been a number of times to to various committees to to discuss and debate things those are great um you know moments that you have as well as the the lovely ones of you know being even not the awards ceremonies, but people coming up to you and, and people you've never met or face to face would say, oh, I've read your stuff or your articles. And of course, everybody you sort, of, sort of knows you, but you don't know all of them. And that, then you Absolutely. feel embarrassed to think, gosh, I didn't, I didn't know you at all. So, yeah. But from a client point of view, what's been lovely is, is the breadth of the clients that um, I've had the opportunity to work with, you know, from my work with the, the Oxford and Cambridge University colleges through to the big retailers I've I've worked with, to the accountancy practices. Everybody's got so many differences. And I suppose I I have got a very soft spot for for Oxford and Cambridge because as English institutions, there is nothing like them. They've been, you know, really with us for over a thousand years. But, you know, that's I've never got any of the clients who are a thousand years old who've got medieval, you know, names for things. And it's been brilliant to, to be in their world for, for the last 10 years looking after them from a compliance point of view and every time I meet them I just there will be times I would just fall about laughing going I thought I knew everything about you guys but you know you've just told me something else 
jobs that uh, only you do that no other employer will ever you know ever do I'll remember the first time I went to um Oxford and they were introducing themselves and uh, one guy said I'm responsible for the student battles and I went sorry what you mean the they the fight see where oh no that's a medieval word those are the bills that we send them for their bar tabs they're called the battles and you know and then it it is a medieval word and and you just think this is just a completely different side of of, you know payroll that uh that i've ever experienced before but they they are super and i'm going to see them for for the last time um in february and march and uh, yeah it, it will be sad to to say goodbye to that because i didn't go to university so it's my fix of um staying at one of the colleges as well and feeling i'm <laughs> kind of a bit of a student just for a week once a year <laughs> sounds, sounds fantastic <laughs> you mentioned normal green there and um, uh, rest in peace Norman, who was obviously a very influential character in the world of payroll who are the people perhaps when you were first starting out in your career that you looked up to at that time or helped you along your journey or even the people now that there must be times when you need to ask for support now and again you oh. may actually fall upon who are those people oh, every day every day of the week well we've mentioned norman um but also um yvette lamady when um yvette was involved at cipp we did a lot of work together um in the policy and research team when i and when i was working there um but there were you know lots of very um influential figures who had formed the institute back in the day that you you felt really um honored to be in their presence because they knew so much more than you know a youngster who was starting out as i was then and it feels weird to be at the other end um and i don't feel in any way that you know the same sort of breath as those sort of people and what what they were achieving and and forging for a career uh, for the profession but yeah they they were smashing and now the people i work with now every day help me and my network is absolutely vital to me because I am a consultant on my own. So constantly there'll be emails going back for, backwards and forwards all day long saying, what do you think this means? Or have you seen that? Or, you know, have you heard what's going on in that committee? So I'm no different to anybody else. I don't understand everything that's proposed. I don't remember everything. That There'll be, a you know, somebody will say, well, there was a case about that 15 years ago. <laughs> You cannot possibly, well, I certainly can't retain all of that information that you need. And I am in awe of the youngsters that are coming up that are managing these hugely complex um, payrolls, have been through, you know, CGRS and everything, and are still there dishing out, but also helping each other through the the group that you established you know that 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 whatsapp group has been just wonderful as a support for us all technically Uh, and even though we don't know each other physically you really feel connected to community and most of the time people are you know very much on their own it doesn't matter even if you've got a big team if you're the senior payroll manager you've still got nobody else to bounce things off because you're supposed to be the fount of all knowledge sure. and i used to you know certainly find that at mns that i needed the external network of other retailers like you know my friends at sainsbury's and tesco because i needed to talk to other people in the same position with the same size of payroll so that i could then think right i'll influence this to do the same for us uh, back in the business so yeah, there have been some amazing characters and I really will miss the people because I've never met uh, an, an unpleasant payroll person. They're, they're all just so committed and just great fun. Yeah, they are. couldn't agree more. And you, you do have an impressive network and networking is so important. It, typically as an industry, I think it's seen as being quite an introverted 
profession. But actually, those that are able to develop networks, be a little bit more extrovert, a little bit more out there to help others, actually, you get so much reward back if you're able to put yourself in that position, of, which can feel uncomfortable sometimes. But actually, you'd be surprised at how welcoming and helpful those are on the other end of it. If you're willing to put yourself out there, willing to ask a question that you think you should know the answer to, actually you can build your connections, you can build your network and lead to so many different things as we oh, are on this podcast today. Absolutely, because yeah, you're not always gonna be flavor of the month. And I absolutely know there will be people who will be really glad that I'm retiring because you know, you, because you stand up and you have a view, it's not gonna be shared by everybody at all. My role as a consultant and, and with ICAW on the Employment Tax Committee is not to make friends. It's to get results for employers. And sometimes you have to call out things and challenge things and make yourself unpopular. But I'm there for my industry, not to make life easy for policymakers or anything else. Because sure. if we don't challenge, we get bad law, we get bad policy. And ultimately, that's not good for the government as much as it's not good for employers and employees. So... Yeah, okay. I'm not there will be people with a little effigy of me sticking pins in. I'll be very glad. <laughs> I think there'll be very many if any. The thirty first of March is coming, but you know, at the end of the day, you feel that you've tried to make a difference for the vast majority of people, and that's the best you can do, I think. During your career, what's been the um, the period in time where you've had to go through the steepest learning curve, or has there been something about a moment in time where you've gone? You're really proud of a particular learning outcome that you you didn't know when you put yourself through something and came out the other side. Oh, I think it's the, I think it's just got to be the last two years uh, yeah. and CGRS because I don't none of us have you see that everything else we've ever done you've kind of through osmosis built on it through your career. So you you come in and tax and NI existed and you learnt bits and you learnt more complicated bits and then you learnt about benefits in kind. Suddenly we're presented with a whole new tax overnight that we because effectively you know government grant tax call it what you like but we a whole new uh, piece of legislation was thrown at us that we had to be expert in with no build-up to that no. and, I, and I think that the fact that we managed to, to continually deliver paying people and doing all that at the same time is is one of the things I am most proud of is that that for, as a profession not at all um personally I'm just glad that we're coming out the other side of it um now but yeah that's interesting when you also think back to some of the the smaller wins I remember when we were working on the changes to the statutory maternity pay and we were going to say you know women are going to get 52 weeks off work and I'm like this is great you know it didn't happen in my day but I then said but you do realize how on earth are you going to make women feel confident enough to come back to work when they've been off 52 weeks I know how difficult I found that so off they went and to be fair they came back with the concept of keeping in touch days so kind of that was down to me being challenging and saying, I found this difficult as a mum and I didn't even have that long off. So what are we going to do to make it financially possible for women to come and do a bit of work if they want to yeah. and then come back to work and feel they can hit the ground running? So, amazing, amazing thing you know, to bring up. Fantastic example. So from that point of view, you can think, hmm, I'm sure keeping in touch today is probably my conversation. Oh, it's your stupid fault, is it? We yeah. have to do that. But as you know, as a, as a female payroll professional, a lot of stuff I've worked and I've thought, well, this is no good to me. My children are growing up, but maybe my children and other people's children, women in the profession are going to benefit from 
the way that we're looking at very differently at uh, women in the workplace and keeping that talent that we didn't used to do. Legacy right there, Kate, let's be honest. There's some legacy <laughs> value, which I think is absolutely wonderful. So thinking back now in hindsight, which is a wonderful thing, what's the one thing you now know that you wish you'd known when you began your, your payroll career, when you finished your first move into payroll? It's not where you start, it's where you finish. There's no shame in taking a step down in your career, a sideways step. You can't always go onwards and upwards. So don't be afraid of squiggly careers, as, as we call them now, because at the end, you, what you're trying to get to is what works for you at that point in your life, whatever your other commitments might be. And then you can always potentially go onwards and upwards or be happy to settle with where you're at. Yeah. You know, I, people kept saying to me sort of 10 or 15 years ago, oh, are you going to take on lots of employees, etc.? Well, maybe I could have done, but I didn't want to grow any bigger. I knew for me just being um, a single director company because I'm a control freak. It was much better not to have, you know, any or even think about recruiting other people. So you've got to do what works for you as well and be comfortable in your own skin that, you know, if you say at some point, right, this is where I'm happy with this. I don't want any extra responsibility. There's nothing wrong with that. That's, yeah. that's great. Um, and I, but I think particularly working at M&S, which was such a high achieving company, we were always, you know, being told to strive for the next promotion, etc. And actually, that's a culture that I'm glad I did have the chance to move away from because it's not we didn't really want people who were happy to settle uh, and we do need people. We don't always want everybody just going up the next rung of the ladder. I always use the analogy that, um, you know, football teams with 11 David Beckhams, albeit when he played, you know, don't win World Cups. You need a, you need a group of people with you know, different backgrounds, different experiences, different skills, different cultures, whatever it is, and bring those together. It's, it's, it's yeah. the group, it's the team that, that makes it work. And we've actually, we just launched a, a download recently on our website, which is talking about the different payroll career pathways. We've identified over 60 different pathways within payroll alone now. Wow. You mentioned some of them, you know, down to payroll web development, to payroll sales, to implementation project management um, directors like yourself giving consultant services there are so many opportunities now policy training lecturing apprenticeship programs that actually if you're not happy but you love payroll but you want to change now is actually that you can do that now mm. and as you say take a step back what works for you and your family do you need homeworking do you need hybrid working do you need the buzz of an office you, you yeah. can actually take that time. There are opportunities available. And I think that's a wonderful shift within the world of payroll. Because even when I started, you know, it was just payroll administrator to payroll manager. And then it pretty much ended. Your, you know, that was the ceiling, really, for payroll yeah. professionals. And it's not Absolutely. anymore. And we talked then about, oh, will there ever be a payroll director? Well, you know, yeah. we, we've absolutely got people, you know, in my you know, friendship group now who are payroll directors. And, and you know, and that's great that people have got that seat at the table now and that recognition yeah definitely and you're probably doing this with your cohorts in a minute Kate but if you could give one piece of advice to someone starting their career in payroll right now what would that piece of advice be never waste an opportunity because everybody you meet in your working day could well be somebody that unlocks a door to something or gives you a new insight or a new piece of information so just treat every day as a I might well today feel that I should have known that but at the same time I've learned something else I've met somebody new who knows what door that might open in the future 
and not everything will come back immediately i think that's the hardest thing when you first go into business on your own and you'll have got this all the time that a lead doesn't always generate money but then two or three years later maybe suddenly it all comes good so the investment is there and sometimes it'll all just fit together and you won't know why but it just does I mean, this podcast is, not, I don't charge anything for the podcast. And, you know, but it leads to so many great networks and opportunities yeah. and relationships and all the things that come behind it, which yeah. you know, that's what it's all about is networking yeah. and giving yourself opportunities. And I couldn't agree more. I love that response. Maybe it's the recruiter in me, Kate, but <laughs> everyone offers opportunity. And that's not, that's not yeah. because you want to take advantage of that. It's just opening, as you say, unlocking doors. You never know where they could lead. And if it needs yeah. somewhere positive, then that's great. I mean, Mom, and I've said to some of my, um, you know, payroll contacts, you know, are, are we still going to be friends and go out socially? Because I've actually got loads of friends in this profession now that, you know, and people have laughed and said, of course, you know, we're not just friends because you happen to be in payroll. Um, it's just that you do have a synergy with people in this profession because there's there's something running through us, a bit like cutting a stick of rock that says we're about people well look this is your story not mine but i'll give a good example so i went on a, this is a few years ago i went on a stag party for a payroll manager friend of mine who i only know through the world of payroll actually when i first met this individual he was expecting his first child he's now got two and they're teenagers and it was a long time ago but i went on this individual stag do and while we were there it was when um they were shooting the new sherlock holmes film and we were on the back of a tractor with hay bales as part of the stag thing in Reading. And Robert Downey Jr. got on the back of the tractor with us and sat and thought, we didn't, it took us about 10 minutes to realise who he was. <laughs> just joined us on the stag, on the back of the trailer, driving around Reading, <laughs> drinking beer, uh, which never would have happened. So there you go. If I didn't know it wasn't in the world of payroll, I wouldn't have been on the stag do and I wouldn't have been sat next to Robert Downey Jr. on the back of a tractor in Reading. Well, so, there you there go. You know. That's networking super, <laughs> isn't networking. it? <laughs> um, you've worked with some you know, a number of influential people in the world of payroll. I'm sure there have been some great leaders throughout that time. In your view, what, what's been the, the guiding principle or the, or the behaviour that you've seen in, in the people that you would consider being great leaders during that time? Two things, really, if I'm allowed to, even though you said guiding principle. Collaborators who have really pulled together the best of the team and recognise that everybody's got different things they can bring to a successful team and the ones who've had the humility to to say I'll, I'll never forget one of my first meetings with somebody and this is a very typical thing at MS. people would be piloted in as very senior people with no background in that particular discipline and that was what we were trained to do you just go and manage whatever but I'll never forget this particular individual who was becoming the new senior group payroll manager saying my name's so-and-so, and I'm terrified because I have never done this sort of stuff before, but I know I've got a great team in you guys who will help me and tell me what you need me to influence upwards because that's what great leaders do as well. They take the concerns and make sure that they represent them in the forums that they're in, that you don't get a place at the table. So humility, I think, is a, is a really important character trait recognizing what you don't know but bringing people with you so that you don't trample over them and get promoted on the back of their knowledge but you all move forward together that to me is is good leadership it's a brilliant response i think you, you show a lot of humility yourself kate i'll be honest uh, so during the course of this podcast if nothing else last two questions i know we could talk forever and i don't want to uh, take up too much of your time i know you're very much in demand as we approach your your retirement date as well, with everyone trying to grab the last bit of the Kate Upcraft support while they can. So my last two questions are this. The first one is, what do you think the future 
off payroll looks like. I think it's very bright for all the things you've said over the last hour. We've got, you know, we've got that structured qualification. We've got people coming in. We've got, as you said, you know, a real hike in salaries over the last couple of Absolutely. years. Absolutely, yeah. We are in demand. So that's a really positive place to be. Um, and the fact that people like me are, are shuffling off does give opportunities to people. So that's, I think it's a really positive place that we're at at the moment as a profession. So my last question, which I'm sure everyone wants to know, is what's next for Kate Upcraft? What are you planning to do when you leave the world of payroll? Nothing payroll related at all. My my main hobbies are things I haven't been able to do for the last couple of years, which is live music and theatre. So I should be doing a lot more of going to gigs and and going to the theatre. One thing I have applied to do, and this is probably really silly to talk about because I won't get it, but just to say this is what I would love to do, is I've applied to become a trustee of the MLS pension scheme because they want a new director, a member director. And it would be lovely to be able to put something back because that's the scheme that's letting me retire now. And if I hadn't been in payroll, I wouldn't be able to retire now because I was the payroll manager I knew about AVCs. I knew that we could buy extra service. I knew that my husband could buy extra service because I was the payroll manager. So we almost crippled ourselves as a young couple. But that's paid dividends now because it's enabling us, because we were very fortunate to be in a final salary scheme, to be able to retire. And and there's a hundred and odd thousand people in that final salary scheme still that are looked after by M&S and the trustees. And I'd love to be able to to do some work with them, making sure that another generation of sales assistants, etc., who've got plenty of other things to worry about and shouldn't have to worry about their retirement and can rely on the company and the trustees doing the best for them so that they have the opportunity to retire a sensible age like I've got so I'm sure I won't get it but at least you know it would be nice to be able to put something back into to that I think that response speaks volumes for the person you are somehow we've managed to go full 360 and bring it back to payroll and pensions even in what you're doing next Kate which I love there's a still slider there you kind of went yeah live music theatre and now let's talk about pensions <laughs> which I think is hilarious but, but I, I wish you every success in securing that role I hope that happens for you I hope you're able to continually able to influence in all the ways that you want to be able to influence pensions payroll anything else you decide to do what kind of live music and theatre are you into any particular genres Oh, well, I'm a prog rock girl because okay. I'm, a, I'm a girl of the, the 70s. So, um, yeah, I, I'm, I'm a massive Genesis fan. A lot of people who will have no idea who they are, but <laughs> I did get to go and see them for the last time in September on the last tour ever. So, yeah, that's that's my era. I'm a 70s and 80s girl. So, uh, yeah, lot, lots of opportunities to, to still see that sort of stuff now. But in terms of theatre, I just love everything about theatre. But that's because I'm a kind of frustrated performer because if if you're a lecturer then you know and you do public speaking that's kind of your you're putting on a show when you do it because yeah. I'm terribly shy so I have to pretend to be something else when I um I lecture because I I don't even like answering the telephone or the door so you know, <laughs> that that that's why you know I could get my fix from doing something and pretending to be Kate Upcraft who isn't really Kate Upcraft but watching real people do it really well that's what I love I can definitely understand that. I'm in the process at the minute of writing the uh, 2023 Limpstone Village Hall Panto so uh, oh. I've got I've got an of best part of two year runtime into doing that so I think that's similar to you really I do a lot of speaking and things but it's that frustrated 
I don't know, actor or performer in me that wants to get the message out in in small village style, maybe. But uh, yeah, no, it's it's funny, isn't it? And I've got a daughter who um, did um, theatre and performance at university, and it, it is very talented creatively. So I've I kind of there's that genetic um, link to that as well. But yeah, I just get such a buzz out of seeing people do really clever creative stuff. Where did your daughter study? At Warwick. Warwick, fantastic. Yeah. I, I studied the same course myself at Royal Holloway. So, yeah, uh, well, she she nearly went there, Nick. We do. Um, we it was that a toss. It was a toss up between Warwick and Royal Holloway. Um, I, from a cheapness of living, I'm glad she went to Warwick because <laughs> Royal Holloway and paying all the rent down there would have uh, would have been a tough call. But yeah, yeah, she loved she loved the course. So yeah, absolutely. Well, Kate, it's been an absolute pleasure having you back on the show. Thank you. By the way, for those who don't know, I gave Kate less than about 24 hours notice to say <laughs> we'd come on the show, and obviously I I approached Kate to come on, and I, I was just wanted to. Share share this story but I think look I'm sure I speak on behalf of so many people you've influenced so many careers you supported so many people through hard times challenging times legislatively complicated times you've always been very open with your time and willing to help and um, I for one would be very sad to see you leave the industry but I want to say a huge thank you for being part of it for the 20 years I've been involved you've been nothing but you know a bright light in, in the industry and um, someone that I've always respected and looked up to and seen as a huge influential character on the world of payroll so thank you for helping shape it what it is today and um, I hope whatever comes after the 31st of March proves to be all the things you want it to be and I wish you every success in the application with the uh, the pensions piece at MS as well thank you thank you Nick it's really sweet of you to ask and and, and it's been a blast and thanks for your friendship too that's been my pleasure and thank you all for listening and I'll bring you all the next episode of the Power Podcast real soon thank you Kate thank you Thank you so much for tuning into the Payroll Podcast with Nick Day of JGA Recruitment. If you need help with a current payroll vacancy, then please get in touch with Nick and his team. All contact details can be found in the episode notes. In the meantime, to make sure you never miss a future episode, please subscribe to the show through any of your favorite podcast channels. Till next time.